Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. A little bouncer slowly toward Bryant. He will glove it and throw to Rizzo. It's in time. And the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio. 670 the score, yeah, five years ago. Five years ago, you heard that Pat Hughes highlight celebrating the biggest victory in Cubs history, the World Series Game 7 clincher over the Cleveland Indians. And it's time now. That'll bring us to our guest hotline brought to you by the Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Bruce, that's where we find our special guest. We bring in the the outgoing assistant general manager of the Chicago Cubs, still to stay in the organization as a top scout and advisor. Our friend Randy Bush joins us on Inside the Clubhouse. Randy, good morning. How are you? Hey, good morning. Hey, Randy, you with us? Yeah. I'm here. Can you hear how, me? How's, how, we can hear you fine. We can hear you fine. I just gave you a, a great big open, and, uh, you know, I guess you didn't hear it, but it, let me tell you, it was, it was superlative uh, talking about uh, the, the great uh, things that you've done with the Cubs. Tell us a little bit about what's going on with you right now and uh, the transition from uh, assistant general manager back to uh, scouting and consulting. Oh yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much. Uh, it just uh, this was something that uh, kind of has been uh, on my mind for the last year or so. To be honest, as as kind of all of us have gone through this uh, pandemic journey and work from home and kind of reevaluating a lot of things. Uh, I just started realizing that, uh, boy, as blessed as I've been in my in my baseball journey, and uh, oh my God, unbelievable experience! I, it, it started just hitting me that I was missing a lot of things, also, and uh, I really became convinced that I, I, I kind of needed to fix this whole work-life balance. At this point, it was time for Kathy and I to travel and do some things with the grandkids and. Anyhow, when we got through the trade deadline, uh, I sat down with Jed and, and just told him that when my contract was up at the end of October, that that uh, that was it. I didn't want to continue on. And and he was great. I mean, couldn't have been any better. He said, I totally get it. Uh, but maybe we can figure out something that 
you know, that let you address some of those those life balances that you want to fix, but but also let you keep your hand in it too. And I was just blown away and just thrilled and appreciative and and really really excited uh, excited for this next step. Randy, it's a pleasure to talk to you, and, and I think uh, you've been around for a lot of different phases of Cubs rebuilding, celebrating, uh, rejoicing, and then trying to rebuild again. And I think that perspective is probably what Jed Hoyer and Tom Ricketts value most. You are the consummate pro, kind of the contributor behind the scenes, not a, a huge profile, uh, but but still very, very important. So in that context, when you look at what's next for the Cubs, you know how it operates, you know Chicago you know what we're expecting. You know, everybody wants the Cubs to contend next year, to be competitive. How realistic is it with this, with this group, the way it's headed for that to, to, to happen? Yeah, I think, um, I, I think we can be competitive really quick. I, this is not going to be a long-term thing at all. Um, my biggest, honestly, my, my biggest um, – concern for next year is the lack of the CBA and, and how that impacts our ability to do business this offseason because uh, we're in a really good shape with, uh, you know, with lack of long-term commitments. We've got some, you know, we've, we've got uh, salary room to do the things we want to do. Uh, so we're in a really good position. We just, I mean, with this thing being up December 1st, nobody in the industry really knows how that's going to impact the off season, the World Series is going to come to a conclusion, and then we're going to have a month or so, and then what? And and nobody knows that, and nobody knows how that's going to impact uh, all of our ability to, to put a ball club together. Randy, uh, looking at the three people that you work directly uh, in touch with on a daily basis, going back to um, – when Jim Henry appointed you assistant general manager back in 06 and then moving on to Theo Epstein, uh, staying on with him and, and Jed, uh, in, in this next venture and, uh, and looking at, uh, uh, Jed for his first year as the president of the team. Can you, can you talk a little bit about the different styles of going back to, to, to Jim and to, uh, Theo and now, uh, when we are in the new phase of uh, Jed as the president of baseball operations. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what a thrill to work with, with all three of those guys. I, I consider them all close friends. They're all great leaders, uh, great uh, people skills, ability to connect with people. Um, Jim and I had been, Jim Hendry and I had been, uh, kind of lifelong friends i had known him going back to my college days and uh you know i kathy my wife kathy and i were talking just the other day when when uh jim called me we were sitting on our back porch and he said hey i want you to interview for the assistant gm role i at that point i had been just doing some scouting assignment stuff for the cubs and um and one thing led to another and and i ended up uh in Chicago, in that position, and here it is 15 years later and a, a lot of great laughs and memories along the way, but getting to know Theo was was uh, just a thrill and, and working for him and him bringing in his group with Jed and Jason and and transitioning into that group. It's uh, It's been a lot of fun, and uh, 
uh, we've shared a lot of a lot of good stories in the office the last week about uh, about uh, the highs and lows and the and the laughs along the way. It, it's it's really been fun, but they're all all great leaders in their own way, and uh, um, all of them are really good at gathering information and and processing the information and coming to the coming to the best decision for the organization which is ultimately what you have to do in that position joined by randy bush here on inside the clubhouse chicago sports radio 670 the score david hall bruce levine randy you'll get a kick out of this we got a texter who remembers your inside the uh, park home run against the white Sox uh, for the twins back in the day and i think when people talk about you hear your name and they think about you know, the cubs executive and, and been part of a lot of winning they maybe forget you played 12 years in the big leagues and have two world series rings as a result of your twins days uh, when you watch this postseason when you watch the world series that begins tuesday do you watch it as a executive evaluating the landscape or do you watch it as boy it's an ex-player and it conjures up some nice old memories yeah Great question. I, I, I would say both. Um, I, I, I think all of us, uh, uh, we always have our executive hat on these days. We're always watching uh, and, and thinking about the game and, and how it impacts our current ball club and, you know, what can, what can help us get better. Uh, but at the same time, I, honestly, I have to say I never, I never want to lose those memories of, of – of playing in the World Series and and those experiences and that always comes back to me watching these postseason games. Um, I always say I'm the luckiest guy in the world to, you know, to have had those experiences as a player. And that's one of the things I think that I've been able to bring to the table as an executive is is just that that experience, that uh, knowledge of actually being in the batter's box in, in those big type situations and, and, uh, and being able to bring that into the room now and, and share those experiences, I, I, I think on some level is helpful to the group. Randy, uh, when you sit back and watch games now, not as a, a executive for the Chicago Cubs, but as a baseball fan, um, how difficult is it for you to watch how difficult is it for you to accept the game the way it is? Uh, most importantly, is it harder to enjoy the game knowing uh, that there is so very little action uh, involved other than walk, strike out, home run? I think it's a big problem. I really do. And uh, I know that a lot of people of my generation uh, – I'm 63. I know that a lot of people of my generation say, oh, why do you have to – change the game the game is great and and i i couldn't disagree with that more uh the game is great but it's not about us we we love the game because we loved it our whole life but right but to get a 25 year old young person to sit down and commit to and it's not just the length of the games now that are four hours but as you as you rightly pointed out it's, it's the amount of time that goes by without anything happening that is a big problem, and we will not get young people to enjoy our game and become invested in our game. So one of the thing that, things that gives me great hope is that Theo, uh, I only have to use the name Theo, right? He's gotten to that category. You don't have to <laughs> yeah, say yeah. the last name, but yeah. that Theo yeah. Epstein is, is involved in this and, and 
I, I will say this, you know, knowing him personally like I do, nobody cares more actually about the game and the state of the game than he does. And knowing that he is heavily involved in trying to address these issues and just, just make it the game that we all grew up with, the way that we remember it, he really wants to make it better. So I'm pinning a lot of hope on the fact that he's involved and that if anybody has a voice that both sides will listen to, I think he's one of those few people that, that fall into that category. Another few minutes left with Randy Bush, the Cubs executive, who's kind enough to join us this morning on Inside the Clubhouse. Randy, Carter Hawkins was introduced on Monday, made a good, strong first impression. He comes to the Cubs from the Indians, where the loudest part of his resume is the part about pitching development, drafting the right guys, identifying the proper traits, and having those those uh, those guys develop into really the Shane Bieber's of the world, literally. How, as the evolution of, of evaluation continues, where are we with pitching evaluation in the Cubs? Because that has been the one thing, as you know, over the years, it's it's easy to say the Cubs have not drafted and developed pitchers. They've they've gone out and they've they paid the right guys, but they haven't drafted and developed maybe the right guys. How does that change, and is this part of that process? Yeah, I think it's an ongoing process, and I think. I think you know Carter said it well. I mean that you know there, there's no magic, there's no magic formula, there's no magic solution, and um, it, you know I I think we're continuing to evolve with that. I think we're continuing to to uh, to look at all of the the, the parts that go into that. Um, again, I'll, I'll reference back to Theo um, briefly, not to keep referring back to him, but I remember something he said that that struck me that's always stayed with me and and one of the things he said was you know we put all our different processes and 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 plans in place and all these checks and balances and all we're trying to do is 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 shift it a little bit in our direction instead of instead of something being 50 50 just just switch it to 52 to 48 that that will make a, a better decision and do that over and over again and hopefully that that uh, springs things into our direction and we're continuing to just try to do that jet has that same philosophy just try to shift it, it you know you're, you're dealing with uh you know uh 30 to 29 other ball clubs that are all uh hiring brilliant people in the front office and and so all you can do is hope to gain a slight edge where you can and hopefully uh carter bringing his experiences over uh, another organization who viewed it differently with the Indians, and we can incorporate maybe just a little something that they did a little different that, that shifts the balance for us. But, but we're always looking to evaluate those, those different metrics and the way that we do things and just trying to shift it a little bit more our way. That's all we can do. Randy, uh, my last one, and again, thanks so much for joining David and me on Inside the Clubhouse today. Really appreciate it and uh, certainly value your friendship for all these years. I, I, wonder, um, I wonder if baseball has to take an, a, a bigger overview of how baseball players train and, and what, what type of people they hire. They, all, all the people that are hired as trainers and uh, conditioning people are very good at what they do and they're they're very serious and they spend 12 hours a day and and i appreciate that so this is not to demean them but the question is 
it, it appears that baseball players look bigger, stronger, and more athletic every year, but they stay on the field less, less and less and less every year. Are, are baseball players uh, training incorrectly on their own uh, beyond the trainers? And, and uh, are, are they going for looking good compared to being baseball ready? I think it's a fair question. I think it's something that we all spend an awful lot of time thinking about and, again, examining uh, the, the processes for that and, and, and how we keep guys on the field. Uh, I, I do think uh, part of this is, is uh, a, a mental health. There's a huge mental health aspect to it where players feel more pressure today than they've ever felt. I think it's I think it's way harder to be a player now than it than it was. That's just being honest, and it, that's because of the constant, constant stream of negativity that that these guys are exposed to with social media, and and um, and I think that also goes into. I think that I think it's all it's a complete package, right? Where if if when guys get beat down or get exposed to all this negativity, I think that also contributes to keeping them on the field, keeping them in, in their peak performance ability. But, but all of that has to be looked at. We have to make sure that we're training guys to be available and be out there for 162 game season. Right. Uh, and not just, where they can be explosive and make explosive movements, whether that's on the mound or as a position player, but then it doesn't hold up. All of that is, is fair for discussion. Very interesting stuff. Thank you very much, Randy Bush. Appreciate your time. Best of luck in, as you continue your role with the Chicago Cubs in the front office. Well, thank you so much, guys. I enjoyed it. Thanks. Randy Bush. Take care, Randy. Bruce. Guy uh, who's been around for a long time, a lot of different uh, bosses in, in terms of general managers, team presidents, and yet he remains pretty steady, a guy behind the scenes doing an important job. He didn't pull any punches here, David. Uh, no. he, he, he said what is very obvious to us, and I think the one point he made about the 25-year-old, um, baseball has to find a way to connect to that 25, 30, 35-year-old. They have to, and it, and it's and it's not the easy. I, I've been around and around with a lot of baseball people on this, and there's not a, a real easy answer to this because if you look at the MLB app, you know the uh, you know uh, every day they get eight they get eight eight million hits on that thing. Okay, yep. so those 25, 30, 35 year olds, even 40 year olds, they're still interested in the game. David, they're interested in the game on their terms and on their lifestyle. They're not watching three and a half, four-hour games. They're not going to do it. Okay, uh, they will. They will pay attention to uh, the, the fantasy leagues they're in. They'll pay attention to their teams in their cities, but they're watching it and they're dealing with it their way. And, and that is that is a problem as far as not necessarily television right now, but going to the ballparks and seeing, yeah, the ballpark might be full, 35,000, 40,000 at the White Sox or the Cubs games. Who are the people there? And who are the people that are going to be there five and ten years from now going to those games?
I think sports gambling also will play a major role in keeping those young fans engaged, involved, and interested for whatever you know degree you, you that that bothers you or, or maybe it interests you. But I think that's going to be a reality of Major League Baseball moving forward. Good points, Bruce. I have to have a quick follow-up before we break here. So basically your last question to Randy Bush about the fitness level of, of baseball players. Are you saying more donuts, less dumbbells? Is that essentially what you're saying? I like dumbbells. I've been one for many years. <laughs> <laughs> Look, David. Um, it's I a good point, Bruce. Out, I, I'm going to pick out one, and I'm going to pick out Nico Horner. Okay. Okay. And and he came into camp, and everybody was excited that he had added 15 pounds of muscle, that he was in the most tremendous shape, that his career was going to take off from there. He's going to start hitting doubles and home runs because he's stronger. And what we saw, unfortunately, was a player. And again, it could have been a, a lot of uh, unique circumstances that had contributed to it. But we saw a player who should have played 150 games only played 39 because of injury. Now, it could be one of those strange things that happen, or it could be that that training, even though the trainers are great and Nico put in tremendous time to it, they might have to turn that all the way around this year and say, we want you back to being the lift, uh, great athlete guy that's out there in the field that can play 140, 150 games. So I don't blame anybody for this. Like I said, these are all wonderful, hardworking people. But I think the idea of training guys to be bigger and stronger and look great in the uniform is missing the point of what a baseball player is. I think it's a great point, Bruce, and it's certainly a, a topic of discussion we will get to as the offseason continues because it's worth exploring, not just for Nico Horner, but the White Sox dealt with their share of injuries, which you could you know, attribute to the same sort of trend and, and same sort of reasons perhaps but we will shift gears next everybody has been handing out season ending awards we are no different except for these have to do with a little chin music if you will and we'll do that next here inside the clubhouse chicago sports radio 670 the score it's time for some chin music hey y'all how about a warning? Sure. Watch out you don't get killed. <laughs> because sometimes in baseball, you've got to send a strong message, especially when someone has it coming. Each Saturday, David and Bruce come in high and tight with a response to something that deserves one, like this. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670 score. And yes, Bruce Levine, David Haw here until 11 o'clock. And we've had fun with chin music. And the one that we will have, Bruce, is the, the winner of the Tony La Russa sweepstakes. And I guess it uh, is kind of our, our hands-down winner, Tony La Russa. But you nominated this clip for the chin music clip of the year. Well, I questioned, you know, after they threw three pitches in there, why they should have just ejected him. It'll be a good test of the uh, character and credibility of the winning team, because it was intentional. Catcher kept looking in the dugout. So that they hit him intentionally. And I'll be really curious. They should have the guts to admit that they did it. Why they did it, I have no reason to understand. Uh, you know, I only carry my sportsmanship so far, and I've gotten to the limit. 
you know, they beat us. They played better. Uh, we're disappointed. But that was intentional. And uh, I don't understand why. I don't understand how they got away with it. Bruce, why did that and one stand I'm mad out? as hell. <laughs> I'm yeah. mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. Tony La Russa, the last game of the year for the Chicago White Sox, after getting drubbed by the Houston Astros, the eventual American League champions, 10-1. to 1. Tony, to his credit, is firing up his team for 2022 <laughs> after they got their butt kicked by the Houston Astros. Oh, and, that. Uh, and, and that is the beauty of Tony La Russa is like, okay, you're hitting my guys still. You know what? Uh, I, I don't think Jose Abreu should get hit as often, but once in a while, you got to move your body out of the way of one of those pitches, don't you, David? Yeah, okay. I, I mean, I, I mean, he does, he has no mode for moving away from inside pitches, and I, and that's probably what makes him a great hitter. Okay, is that he won't back away, but you're going to get hit if you don't back away. You don't ever see him backing away from a pitch. Okay. No, so no. so some of that is some of that is on Abreu. Some of it is on the fact that uh, teams have to pitch him inside or they'll never get him out, okay? And sometimes because you have inexperienced young pitchers who don't know how to throw inside. I love it. I'm chuckling, Bruce, because you are already giving Tony Larusa credit for motivating his team for 2022 in that post-game moment. And he really, <laughs> if you don't see it, you, you're, you're not – you don't – I mean, I have the, the benefit luxury of – having watched Tony in action for over, almost 40 years. And this is how he works. He's already thinking ahead to, to game one next year. And, well, uh, okay. and, and that, that's, that's where his mind went. There was nowhere else to go, for it to go other than defending his player, showing that his players are being taken advantage of, and showing that he's ultimately the, the, the 26th man on that team. And let's 20, face it, Bruce, Tony LaRusso could have been now. first place, second place, third place, fourth place, and fifth place in our Chin Music End of the Year Awards. But my nomination was not Tony LaRusso, even though it so easily could have been. Mine was a former Cub, always Cub legend, good old number 49. How difficult is that when you're going through these tough times and you continue to, to give to other people? How hard is it? It's not hard, Bruce. Uh, and I'd love you to take your mask off. I don't think anybody's around you. <laughs> Jake Arrieta. Jake Arrieta, his last start for the Cubs. He had to go out with taking a shot at you of all people, Bruce. I am defending you the way that Tony LaRusa defends Jose Abreu. I'm there for you, buddy. You don't have to defend me because Jake Arrieta did nothing uh, during his career but answer all my questions and be a total professional the entire time that he was with the Chicago Cubs. So I don't have any gripes with, uh, with the way that he answered that. And, and uh, as you know, I didn't take the mask off, of course. You but, did uh, not. No, you yeah. held your ground, but <laughs> I'm mean, sorry. That was, a, but, that was too much for me for DFA Arietta. I, I just thought well, he I, had. I mean, the second part of it was more interesting because he said that I don't believe there's anybody around you, so there's no reason for you to have the, the mask on. And, there were two reporters sharing my computer to get sound off of because they weren't getting it through theirs. So that's the uh, uh, another part of the story. But Jake, I have never had a problem with Jake Arietta. He's always been a true professional, always a stand-up guy, giving good answers. Um, if he didn't like the, you know, the, you know, I wear a mask to bed every night. You know, just just out of practice to make sure that I'm comfortable in it. 
well, I'm defending your right to be responsible, and that was my nomination for <laughs> Chin Music of this season. We will continue that feature each and every Saturday morning if we have reason to here on Inside the Clubhouse. But you know what we're going to do next, Bruce? We're going to wrap up our show with a final segment devoted to The Run. The great podcast, Matt Spiegel, our teammate here at The Score, will join us next to discuss it. Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to score. Bruce Vine, David Haw here until 11 o'clock. And now it is our pleasure to go out to the guest hotline brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. But to bring in a familiar voice and a longtime teammate, Matt Spiegel, the part of the afternoon show, Parkins and Spiegel. And Matt is working on a new project, which is a great project. It's called The Run, a podcast series looking back at the 2016 World champion Chicago Cubs. Lots of great stuff unearthed. Lots of great memories to be relive. Good morning, Matt. How are you? Gentlemen, I am well. A pleasure to talk to both of you. Thanks for having me. And yeah, this has been has been a lot of fun to work on. Been really interesting to work on. We are just about finished with all ten episodes. Eight episodes are available on the Odyssey app or Apple Podcasts or anywhere. And the uh, the last two are coming uh, this this following week. It's been a lot of fun to work on. Matt, uh, tell us a little bit about your, your co-host, a really interesting and fun guy, and, and uh, how you guys meshed in this project. Roy Wood Jr. is hilarious. He's got a few hour-long comedy specials out there. Um, he's also on The Daily Show. He's a correspondent on The Daily Show. And he was born and raised in Alabama. His dad, Roy Wood Sr., was an old radio guy, and used to do shows with Ernie Banks, did a show with Ernie Banks on WVON decades ago. So he was friends with Ernie Banks, was his dad, and then he grew up in Alabama, my co-host, and watched the Cubs on WGN. And that's how he became this ardent, hardcore Cub fan. And, and, and during the run of the, the postseason in 2016, he got away. He was working at The Daily Show with Trevor Noah at the time, and he got away every chance he could, could to, come, to go to playoff games. And um, he was at Game 7 wearing a full-length Chicago Cubs bathrobe. And he wore it. It it had become like his his signature, his calling card. And he wore it all through the World Series. He wore it to the game. He wore it on the plane back to New York and on the Daily Show the next day, which... uh, which which got a lot of a lot of pub at the time, but I had so much fun because you know, I mean, having worked with with both you guys and with with all the different radio folks, I love making chemistry with people, and you never know if you're going to be able to find it quick or not. But his first gig out of out of college was a morning radio show producer, and he became eventually a morning radio show personality. So he's a radio guy. So we found it really quick, which was very, very fun. And, and we represent very different things, you know? He was on the outside for the most of it and then coming in as much as he can. And, and Bruce and David, as, as you remember, I was really close to that World Series. Did, went to four games as media, went to two as a fan. And, um, you know, able to bring my proximity to his otherness, if you will. And I think it made for a nice match. Well, it's all about the vibes, babe. You know that, <laughs> you know It's it, all about you know. the vibes. Yes, and, you know, you do, you do a, a terrific job in just encapsulating everything. And you hear the perspective and the emotion and how much you care 
about the game, our game, if you will, Matt. Yes. I know you referred to it that way, baseball. This is just a glimpse, a, a, a clip from Theo Epstein uh, as far as part of the run, and, and I think that uh, we can hear a little bit right here. I don't consider myself a Moneyball disciple, mainly just because my, my formative years in, in baseball preceded Moneyball. Um, so I've, I've always tried, tried to have balance, and that's where I think the most accurate view of players and, and, and decision-making lies, and that is the objective analytical side is fundamentally important, so you have to make sure you have the best data. And then, you know, this, this is a, a people business. Players are far more than the numbers on a spreadsheet or, or the numbers on the back of a baseball card, and they come to work every day with uh, hopes and and fears and family situations and and how they how they interact with their environment around them and with their teammates all that matters how receptive was um was theo to revisiting because as much as we know uh matt that he uh he he certainly uh likes to go back and and deal with his accomplishments of the past he's a man of now and the future was it was it difficult uh, to get him to sit down and, and talk about his accomplishment here? <laughs> what do you think? That is a perceptive question, Bruce. Of uh, No, he was not thrilled um, to, to dive in to some of the, some of the stuff. Uh, I mean, I think he had fun talking about the, the baseball part of it and the moment-to-moment um, experiences of that five weeks. But, I mean, it, it, it was impossible for me to sit down and do this without thinking about the five years that led up to that and the right. five years that have come since that. And so my my battle was to constantly, you know, balance the focus of that five weeks versus the perspective of a decade. And how do you not when you're sitting down with Theo talk about the build and then talk about everything that happened after? So, um, frankly, I think he was a little little um, surprised that we that I wanted to do quite that much, but I, I didn't want to miss the opportunity to try and do that. I'll, I'll tell you one thing that came out of it um, that I think was really interesting. I, I tried to ask him about whether, you know, in the grand scheme, they think it, that it worked too quickly, that it worked too well, too perfectly, that they win a World Series in year five, and what are you supposed to do after that? And one thing he did say is that he thought in terms of the development of the young players, they won so early in their careers that it made them a little more difficult to reach in terms of trying to give them information, trying to give them coaching. And he wasn't bus tossing them by any stretch because he likes to talk about the human nature of all this stuff. Right. And the human nature of when you have this tremendous success at 22, 23, 24, 25 and then you're told within three years, you have to change how you do this. It's, uh, it's very difficult for a lot of people, especially if they've had that incredible success early on. So I, I, that ended up being very interesting from Theo's perspective. Talking with Matt Spiegel here on Inside the Clubhouse, Bruce Levine, David Haw, until 11 o'clock. Matt's talking about the great podcast series, The Run, which is available on the Odyssey app. And Spiegs, you know, as much as you love baseball, I imagine this was a labor of love, but I'm curious in when you – began the project and you dove into it deeper did you approach it as a fan did you approach it as a you know a, a baseball journalist looking for answers you didn't know did you hmm. how did you approach it because I think that you know both things are always intertwined and yet one sometimes plays a, a heavier role as we kind of begin to explore yeah it's it's a great question David you know because at the time I was trying to balance 
you know, um, journalistic proximity. But let's face it, I wasn't really a journalist as much as I was a talk show host where you're supposed to share your real life experiences of it. And yet you have this journalistic access, which you have to try and not take advantage of. Um, But it, it was a balance then and it proved to be a balance now. But, you know, I think if anything, I relaxed on some of the 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 these the strident sort of boundaries that I tried to draw for myself at the time I'm able to relax on them a little bit now and it enabled me to tell some stories of of access and proximity that I hadn't shared at the time and you know and it's like why not at, at, at this point it's um because because I am I am a fan I'm forever a fan and to be that close to something that momentous is is pretty remarkable and, and, and pretty special. So I, I, I was able to share that. And it also helped that Roy was like, what? You, you were where? Huh? And, <laughs> That's cool. and, um, so, so, so that, I think, worked out really well. So, for instance, like, you know, the, the last episodes are coming. The Game 7 episodes are coming this week. And there's so many wonderful Game 7 stories in there from fans. I passed on some that I heard at the time that have stuck with me. Several different um, celebrities um, who are Cub fans share, like, their sort of personal stories and reflections. The, the Joe Madden Game 7 stuff is in there. Um, David Ross's Game 7 stuff is in there. And I shared my Game 7 story, which I'd never shared publicly, of how I got home from Cleveland. Um, and I shared that in detail. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'll save it for that. I, I, I'll say that it's worth hearing because Roy's Game 7 story is, is great too. But it's, it, it, it's all in there. And, um, and, and you, know, you know from talking to Joe as much as you guys have and as much as you have specifically, Bruce, you know how Joe felt about the whole thing, um, and Joe Joe loved his time here. Just absolutely loved his time here, and and basically intimated. You guys may have the clip intimated that he would have enjoyed it going on a little further. This is what we have. Yeah, let's hear that. I loved it. He did that five years there is the best I've ever experienced. Yes, I could have hung out for more if you know, had been asked, but wasn't, and uh, and that's cool. You know, I I just thought. Just a little aside in the midst of a long, very real conversation with Joe Madden, if I'd been asked, I wasn't, you know, and I think we all kind of knew that as they tried to put a good face on it there at the end. But Joe, Joe loved it here and Joe would have stayed clearly. Was there any attempt at revisionist history, Matt, do you think, especially as it pertains maybe to that? We, you know, we've heard that a little bit from Joe. I think it's fascinating to to hear him go deeper into it as, as we will on the podcast. But what was your impression of, of that? Did you run into any examples of like, well, what didn't quite happen the way you remember it, but. <laughs> well, um, there's some really interesting defensiveness from Joe uh, in the midst of a wonderful, very warm conversation. There, there is a little bit of defensiveness when asked about a role Chapman usage in that postseason, um, and, and that, of course, is, is fascinating to me and always will be. Um, there was a little bit of, you know, I, I guess we're always going to wonder whether the core were offered contracts that they would really considered and should have signed. Right. So those conversations with Theo were, were interesting. Um, but in terms of revisionist, no, you know, in terms of like how it all went down, I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't think so. Joe knows that that meeting that Jason Hayward held um, in the weight room during Game 7, and you'll hear about that in detail in these episodes coming up this week. Um, he knows that wasn't about him, that that was everybody kind of, 
not you know everybody kind of without him and and he's he's cool with that he loves that he loves that players lead he knows that the best leadership and those telling moments often have to come from the players so no there was some honesty about that i think if people are curious about that 18 minutes you'll get closer to it than you've ever gotten in the course of these episodes um great stuff speaks really appreciate you sharing it with us the run the podcast series about the 2016 World Series champion Chicago Cubs. Labor of love, and it sounds like you really put everything into it, and I can't wait to hear the rest. Hey, David, thanks so much. Bruce, thanks so much. And, David, you're doing a a much better job than I ever did hosting this show. Keep doing it. (laughs) (laughs) It's hit and run coming back. Come on. It's not not true. You're you're both equally fantastic. You carried us both. You carried us both. Co-host with Parkins and Spiegel here on The Score. And, Bruce, we got to wrap things up because we are – Out of time, great show today, great guest today. Thank you to Randy Bush, Chip Carey, and Matt Spiegel because we had a lot of fun, a lot of baseball that left this weekend, and the World Series starts Tuesday, game one. Our wonderful producer, Caesar, great job today, my friend. Thank you so much. Uh, People can follow me at Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. On our website, I write Cubs and Sox just about every day, a little less in the offseason on uh, 670thescore.com on our website. David, have a great week. Uh, Looking forward to World Series talk next week and see who the Houston Astros will play in that World Series. Dodgers Astros? Oh, I've been been wrong at every pick so far. So I'm going to pick Dodgers in eight. Okay. I like that, Bruce. Either way, we'll come back next Saturday and we will break it all down as as well as look at the White Sox and Cubs off-season moves if they make any this week. Thanks for listening. This is Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.